Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. All right, God bless. How are you? Everybody good? Yeah? Everybody's great? Are you fantastic? Good. Awesome. Well, we love you guys. We're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for joining uh, and being a part of Oaks Church. It's summertime. Uh, people are on vacations. We know things are busy and all kinds of stuff is uh, going on. Uh, we've got a little volleyballer in our house. So June is the most psycho month of the year. If you play club volleyball, it's all about clinics and camps and tryouts and all this kind of stuff. And we can't rest until July. Uh, at our house. It's just one of those crazy deals. Uh, but we're glad you're here. Thank you for uh, staying faithful. Thank you for those of you that are online. Thank you for staying faithful with your serving, with your giving for all those things throughout the summer. Uh, it makes a huge difference. We got massive things in store, uh, great things that we're going to share with you in the upcoming months, uh, the vision and things that are, that, are, that are coming together at Oaks Church. Lots of exciting stuff going on. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump right into our message today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your power, for your strength. We ask you in Jesus' name that you would speak to us, release your power, release your authority, release your vision, release your word, Father. We know that your word is the most powerful thing. It created the universe. Your word created everything. Your word declares that everything that is, is. It exists. It's held together because of your word. Jesus Christ, the word of God made flesh. Father, thank you for your word. Release it into our lives. Release it into our families. Release it into our marriages. Release it into our workplaces. In Jesus' name, and bring us into your best life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, the genius of Jesus is our theme. We're in the middle of kind of a sub-theme on understanding authority. Today, I want to talk to you about wielding authority. Wielding authority. Last week, we talked uh, about how Jesus has all authority. Jesus has the keys. We use keys as an illustration that represented authority. That word in scripture uh, for authority in the New Testament is exousia. It means executive power. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the vehicle that Jesus uses to get his authority and his power into us. And we're going to dive a little deeper into that and talk about how to wield authority. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to show you illustrations of people in scripture that did it right, people in scripture that did it wrong. Wrong. And we're going to talk about a number of different things so that we don't only understand what authority is, but we understand why we have it, why we use it, and how to use it properly to get the best results and make the biggest impact in our lives. Does anybody here like to be uh, subjugated? have an overlord. Anybody love just, I just love being micromanaged. I love it when someone is breathing down my neck. They're over my shoulder constantly. I, I just makes me feel so cozy. I, you know, I can't stand that personally. I, I have a personality type and it's just how I was. I, I was the kid that asked why, 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 why do I have to do this? Why do I have, not just why is the sky blue? No, I want to dig down deep into why is this requirement on my life? Why do I have to dress up when I go to church? Why do I have to this and this? Why can't I wear my Easter clothes to the creek after Sunday service? Why, 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 why? Irritating. That was me. But, but honestly, that's still how I approach God. Why, God? Why? Why, why this? Why that? Why is this in scripture? Why did you say this? What, what, what did you really intend with, with that? 
And, and there's something about my questioning and my wrestling with God that makes my relationship with him very live, very real. Because why is a child's question. And Jesus said that we're supposed to have faith like a child. So I want to encourage you. When you read your Bible, I don't want to say if you read your Bible. This is the early service. I know all of you read your Bible. You guys are holier than holy. The next service, they come in. They got to get some brunch. They got to get some hangover food in them before. The, I'm just joking. But <laughs> I'm just playing. Just playing. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, when you read your Bible, not if, but when you read your Bible, ask questions. Jesus, why? Holy Spirit, why? Teach me. I never read my Bible to check a box. Ever. I don't read my Bible to make myself feel like a better Christian. I read my Bible for one reason. I want to know him. I want to know him. And I want to encourage you, dig into the word of God. Dig into the word of God. Have you ever known someone that got a little power and then went on a power trip? You ever worked at a company when someone got promoted and all of a sudden that person that was your buddy now is your boss and, 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 and anybody ever been on a power trip? Not you, not me. I remember being a young youth pastor in my, in my twenties. Uh, the first time I took a group of kids, the first time you're, you're 27, 28 years old and you're responsible for 110 teenagers on a road trip, you will understand the need and the necessity for authority. Um, and I'm just glad there were no cameras or video recording devices on phones that could have recorded some of the ways that I kept kids uh, in submission on these trips because I would be in jail right now. Thank God that social media did not exist when I was a youth pastor. I would not be in ministry any longer. I, I was a professional martial artist that left the profession of martial arts to become a youth pastor. And the violent shall take it by force. That's what the Bible says. And I may or may not have subdued a child or two, but their, their parent always gave me permission. I'm just saying. Um, I learned a lot. Can I tell you the most... Some of the most incredible things I've learned about God and how God works is by being a parent. I, I, learned, I learned how much patience God has with me by dealing with explosive diapers on Sunday morning. When I've got to preach, and, and any parent that understands the explosive diaper, the explosive diaper is similar to many other naturally occurring things. It typically comes in threes, and you think it's over, and it's not over. And, and now you're on your second outfit and we're going to make it to church on time. And, 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 and then it's the third outfit and might maybe the fourth outfit. Um, I, I learned, I learned about patience and grace by being a parent. I remember one time I was so frustrated and I was holding one of my children who I will not disclose. And, um, and, and I'm talking, it's everywhere. Now I'm having wardrobe changes. And, um, and I said, and, and the baby obviously was very upset. And I said, it's okay, it's okay. I still love you. I love you so much, it's okay. And I'm trying to calm this baby down. And in, in, my, in, my, in my spirit's ear, I heard the Lord speak to me. He says, now you know how I feel about you. I've been cleaning up your messes for decades. Oh my goodness. But I really learned about authority with one of my children who will be undisclosed as well. Um, I have two daughters. That's 
two daughters. And um, actually, I do have three daughters. I have one in heaven. Um, but one of my daughters was a stubborn, you've heard of the terrible twos? I don't think it's twos. I think it's three. I think three and how they are at three is what you're gonna have to deal with at 13. That's what I think. It's a 10 multiple. But one of my wonderfully sweet daughters at three was unbelievably defiant and strong-willed. And it was the type of child, she was the type of child that you couldn't use threats with. Because if you would threaten, if you would if you would try to wield your authority as an enforcer, it would only make it worse. Do you want a spanking? I mean, I mean, just I'm talking any mention of any type of punishment or any threat or any trying to force. Do you remember when you're trying to put your kid in the baby seat in the car and they do the mm, stiff as a board thing? I am not going. And you're like shoving on their hips, ugh, trying to get them into that car seat, stay down, zip time in. Learn so much about God through being a parent. I, I realized that with this one child, and literally I'm in tears, I'm, I'm, I'm having a meltdown because I cannot figure out, I cannot figure out how to get this three-year-old to comply with my authority. And the Lord gave me an idea because I had a very strong-willed child, the Lord gave me an idea. He showed me that this child is a leader and I need to train this child as a leader to make wise decisions. And so in, instead of enforcing, I began to have adult conversations with my three-year-old daughter. And I began to say, listen, unnamed child, I'm trying to protect my children's I have to tell stories about my children. It's the only way I can get back at them, right? That's part of, the, it's part of the plan. But I said, here's the deal. You're in charge. You're in control. You get to pick. We can do anything that you want to do. Here are your two choices. Three-year-old child didn't realize that there could be more than cho two choices because I was controlling the environment. I said, if you do this, i.e. get into your car seat without me strangling you, then later on, we're going to go to the park. If you do this, you help me pick up all of these little toys. If you do this, all this whatever, we're going to later on today, we're going to go to the park. We're going to go get some ice cream. That's what happens if you choose to do this. Now, if you choose to do this, this is your choice. You're in charge. You're in control. You want to be in charge? You're in charge. But if you choose to do this, then we won't go to the park later and we won't have ice cream and we won't. And you know what? If you choose to do this, there might even be a spanking. Which one do you want? You're the boss. You're in charge. This one, you get ice cream and a park and all this kind of whatever. This one, you get no ice cream, no park and maybe a spanking. Which one do you want? Oh, I want this one. Oh, you're so wise. You're such a smart girl. Wow, am I proud. And I'm telling you, the art of negotiations was the greatest tool that I could use to help this natural-born leader to learn how to make wise decisions, and it worked way better than a paddle. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, one of our famous presidents, said, talk softly but carry a big stick, right? Uh, I, I love this quote by Coach Tom Landry, one of the iconic 
uh, football coaches in the NFL. He says, leadership is getting someone to do what they don't want to do to achieve what they want to achieve. So many times people say, I want to do this. I want to accomplish this. But they don't actually want to do the things that it takes to accomplish and achieve those things. So you as leaders, and we're talking about authority, we're talking about power uh, that God gives us, we're talking about leadership. Uh, we, you, can, you can take all of this and you can translate it. And I'm gonna use some very spiritual um, uh, pictures inside of our, our lesson today. But all of this translates naturally. You have authority. How and why you wield it makes a very big difference. So let's talk about this. What is the point? What is the point of Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the point was power. The infilling of power. Power is the point of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, wait in, to, wait in Jerusalem, tarry there, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you and you are filled with power from on high. Peter, after being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he goes out. This is a poor fisherman, not a publicly trained speaker. He's a poor fisherman, or maybe he's moderately successful. He had a, a, a small fleet of boats in the, inside of his family business. He, he knew how to make money, but he wasn't a public speaker. He wasn't articulate. When they heard Peter speak, they said, who is this Galilean, this country boy? This is a bumpkin. This, is, this, is, this dude's from the lake, man. He, he, maybe he works at a bait shop. I don't know. This, you, you know, lake folk, they're a different breed. He was a country boy. How does he have such great wisdom? It was boldness and power that came upon him when the Holy Spirit filled him. Jesus didn't do a single miracle in his life until the Holy Spirit came upon him and filled him. And his first mission was to go into the wilderness and take authority over the devil and actually defeat the devil in temptations. Power is the point. In Mark chapter 16, this is one of the versions of the Great Commission. Last week, we talked about how uh, the, the first version of the Great Commission in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. Now you go and make disciples of every nation. We're going to see another version of that today. A different listener of Jesus, different disciple of Jesus, different perspective. Isn't it interesting how two or three people... In this group today, if each of you after this message today came to me and said, hey, Pastor Joel, I want to tell you the most impacting thing that you said today, most likely almost every single person would have a different perspective. I've been in services where people came up to me afterward and said, oh my gosh, when you said this, it was so incredible and it was something I didn't even say. But it, they heard what they needed to hear from the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes in scripture, you'll see different perspectives. You'll see different angles. And it was a different listener to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit that heard things and received things from a different perspective. And now when they write their gospel, you see a more full picture of things. If you look at a car from one angle, you only see one part. But you can, if you go and buy a car online, they've got pictures of every single angle of that car all the way around so that you can get a full picture. And that's what the gospel does for us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 Jesus, he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Watch, watch. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Anyone who believes 
will be saved. And these signs will follow them that believe. Is anyone excluded from signs following him if you believe? According to Jesus. He didn't say, and these signs will follow some of those people that believe. He said, and these signs will follow them that believe. Let's look at the signs. They will drive out demons. It's one of the signs. They will speak in new tongues. This is Jesus talking. One of the signs. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will, when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. What's that about? Tennessee folk? Kentucky folk? No. That one is one that's talking about a supernatural authority over naturally dangerous situations. It's pretty amazing that you can have a God-given ability to step into a dangerous situation and have authority over it. There was a missionary, I'm trying to think of his name right now. I don't know if it was Livingston or one of the others that, that when he would go, he would, would minister during times of plague and he wouldn't get sick. And everyone else, other people would get sick and he would go right into the, to the mission field in the midst of a plague and he would pray for people to get healed. And they actually did like some, some research and they looked at the bio, like through microscopes at the different things, like the, the actual virus and the bacteria, they could see it. And, and they literally saw that when it was on his skin, it would die on contact. Had no authority in him. Jesus had given him a supernatural authority over naturally dangerous situations. Look at this last one. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And after the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God and the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs that accompanied it. So every believer, any believers in here? Any believers? Okay. All of you have signs, miraculous signs following you? Just, I mean, I, I, some of you, yeah. Many of us, yeah. But some of us are going, me? No, no I mean, that's for, that's for a really spiritual person. That's for, that's, for, that's for like someone that's real spiritual. There's no exclusion in Jesus' teaching. All of the people that believe will have signs following. So the only differentiation, here's the big question. Do you believe that signs can follow you? Do you believe that you can have authority over demonic spirits that are very, very real? They want to torment you. They want to torment your family. They want to invade your home. They want to have a right inside of your life. They're trespassers. Do you believe you have authority over them? Do you believe that, that, that the Holy Spirit could give you a supernatural prayer language? Why not you? It's, it's only bad doctrine that would teach that something Jesus declared is no longer available. Jesus put no time limit. He put no time stamp. Go in go all the world, preach God, make disciples, and signs will follow them up until the third century. Signs will follow them just for the, for the first couple hundred years. But not after that. Jesus never said that. In fact... In fact, Jesus said, the Bible says 
that the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is in Acts chapter two, it was Peter. Peter was explaining that the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised was for every single generation that would ever be called. It's a perpetual inheritance, this gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no generation it's exempt from. The only exemption is if, is if you opt out. Nope, I don't, want, I don't want the authority. I don't want the power. I, I don't want to be able to have God's healing power flowing through my body. Jesus said it's available for you. How cool would it be if you moved into a place where you actually believed that the source of every single need that could ever be needed by any human being lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit? What if you walked into situations looking for opportunity? Who can I pray for today, Father? Who can I release your spirit on today, Father? Who, who, can, who, can, I, who can I tell about your nature to heal and deliver and provide today, Father? Who can I connect to your goodness today? I've got your goodness living inside of me. I've got your nature. I've got your spirit living inside of me. I've got your power, your, your executive power inside of me. Who can I touch today? Oral Roberts, who um, was my, 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 my dad's first pastor as a child, was Oral Roberts. If you haven't heard the name Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts was a healing evangelist during the 40s and 50s and 60s. And I mean, he, he lived up until a decade ago, but he had an amazing healing ministry. I met Oral one time and he, he, he had these massive hands. He's a huge hands and, and his ears, the biggest ears, the biggest earlobes you've ever seen. That's what I remembered from Oral Roberts. I mean, the, unbelievable ears. He could hear the Holy Spirit so well um, with those ears. But he, he said to me, he said, Joel, I've laid my right hand on over a million people. My dad, Ken Scrivener, was one of those. My dad was a child that had polio. You've probably seen some people that had polio. They typically have um, deformations and in, in, in all types of lasting situations. My dad had polio as a child. Oral and Evelyn Roberts were best friends with my grandparents, the Scriveners. And every Monday they'd go over to my grandparents' house and have dinner. When I met Oral and Evelyn, Evelyn said, oh my God, it's the Scriveners. Your grandma made the best baked beans I've ever had in my entire life. One day at dinner on a Monday night, Oral Roberts laid hands on my dad and he was miraculously healed of polio. Stuff's real, guys. It's not make-believe. We have to believe. We have to believe. Oral Roberts said this. He said, when you're in an argument about doctrine, a miracle settles the matter. A miracle settles. There's no more arguing when a miracle happens. A miracle settles the matter. I, I heard a comedian. Some of you guys remember the, the old country boy comedian tour. And there was this old country boy comedian, Ron White. He would walk around and basically get drunk on stage. Some of y'all remember. And one time he was talking about uh, the, the, the diamond advertisements at Christmas. And he said, one of them, it said, diamond, render her speechless. And he laughed and he said, why don't you just go ahead and say it? A diamond, that'll shut her up. 
a miracle. Come on, that'll shut them up. Anybody that's arguing, anybody that's got dark, a miracle settles the matter, settles the issue. We need to be people that recognize that the miraculous power of Jesus Christ is absolutely still available today for our lives, for our children, for our families, for our friends. It's the number one way. Jesus said, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe the prophets, if you don't believe my father, at least believe the miracles that I do. You cannot argue the miracles. They'd be in the middle of an argument and Jesus would just heal somebody. That'll shut them up. Signs are supposed to be following us. Early in my ministry years, there was a pastor out of Tulsa, Oklahoma that was a mentor in some ways to me. And he had a phrase he would say all the time, every believer, a leader. Every believer, a leader. We have to stop opting out of leadership. We're Christians. We are the salt and the light of the world. We need to be the ones opting in, raising our hand first, initiating to be the leader. The leader in our school systems, the leader in our local governments, the leader at your workplace, the leader at the PTO. It's about influence, y'all. The Holy Spirit's empowerment in your life is about influence. It's about light. It's about salt. It's about changing the flavor of things. It's about illuminating and causing change. It's influence. We have a story that we'll call home base today. Matthew chapter eight, verse five. This is one of my favorite stories of Jesus interacting with someone that wasn't supposed to have a right to the kingdom. This individual was not supposed to have access to the truth of the kingdom. It was a Gentile, not a Jew. We're supposed to understand. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, which was his kind of headquarters right on the Sea of Galilee, a beautiful, beautiful area. A centurion which is a Roman soldier. It's a high-level Roman soldier that's over 100 military uh, leaders, 100 military warriors. A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. He was speaking of the Jews that would be rejected because they wouldn't believe who he was. 
They'll be thrown outside into utter darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that exact moment. This Roman centurion, and I I brought with me a, a little symbol. This is different than a Roman sword. This is a Bowie knife. Um, handmade, Damascus steel. My dad bought this for me. Um, my dad and I have a deal that every weapon um, in his arsenal becomes mine when he goes to see Jesus. So I routinely buy my father weapons um, because secretly you get it. Um, but the Roman sword was actually a short sword. This is about 18 inches long-ish. Um, a Roman sword was only two feet, 24 inches. was not a big sword. Um, it was meant for close quarters battle. They had a number of different types of weapons. But a sword was a picture of authority. It was a picture of, of how they could wield authority. They had a big stick, so to speak. But this centurion spoke of a type of authority that he could wield where he never had to unsheath his weapon. It was an authority that Jesus called faith. The centurion is talking about the Roman system, the empirical system. The emperor gives an order. We do what he says. A higher officer says go, we jump. I'm a man under authority. I get how this works. I have also soldiers under me. So I say go, I say come, I say get this done, and things get done. So Jesus, don't come to my house. I'm a Gentile, I'm an Italian. I don't deserve you to come to my house. I'm not a Jew. Just say the word. And Jesus is amazed. Jesus is blown away. Jesus says, I haven't seen faith like this in the entire nation of Israel. In my whole life, 33 years, I've never seen this kind of faith. A revelation of authority leads to great faith. A revelation of authority leads to great faith. Can I tell you that for you to have true authority, you must be under authority. For you to have true authority, you must be under authority. In the corporate world, there's a CEO There's a COO, it's a CFO, all of these C-suite executives, they have authority. Then there are presidents, there are vice presidents, there are managers, directors, there's a chain of authority inside of a corporation. But over the CEO, there's a board. And sometimes over the board, there are stockholders and interest groups. People are subject 
to the authorities that they have in life. Similarly, in a church, it, it's, it, it could be seen as, well, Joel's the, the head pastor. Joel's the boss. I have staff. Staff works for me. I, I have a, I'm the boss. God gave me a word. He gave me vision. And I went and, and, and we planted a church, connected with different people and planted a church. But you know, the very first thing you do when you go to plant a church, you, pull, you select a board. You begin to build out a board. So God gave me a word, gave me vision, gave me authority to do this. I submit to him. But the very first thing I do is go create other godly individuals that I then go and submit to. So we have a board that Joel doesn't just do whatever Joel wants to do. Joel takes his vision and makes a sales pitch to the board. And the board says, yeah, I like this. Or they say, hmm, let's tweak that. And I submit, I choose submission. There are other organizations that don't do that. On top of that, I have an apostolic board, a pastoral board of pastors that I have asked to kick my butt anytime it needs it. I, they're like, what do you need for, I invite one, I mean, pastor, you'll meet him at some point, church of 12,000 people, a friend I've had for almost 20 years. He says, what do you want from me? I said, I want you to answer my texts, answer my calls, and kick my butt when I need it. I could do that. I want someone to check me because I will stand before God for the decisions I make. I choose authority. I choose submission. I choose to submit. See, see a, a husband and wife relationship is a relationship of mutual submission. There are times that I pull up my pants. I'm like, by God, this is what we're doing right now. Man in the house. And there are other times where I say, yes, dear. Because <laughs> it's mutual submission. There are times that she speaks into me and says, this needs to shift. This needs to change. And in, in, in certain seasons of life, I've bucked against it to my own demise. Because we're partners. And in a partnership, there has to be mutual submission. If we're at an impasse, I, I may, I, it's, and it's up to me, I have to make a decision. We have to make a decision. But I don't rule with an iron fist. I, I, I don't want to have to use. I, I'd rather use leadership. Big question today. Who do you submit to? Who do you submit to? Who in your life can tell you no? Who in your life can put you in check? I, I, um, can I tell you some of the scariest seasons of my life have been when I didn't have a pastor, when I was in the middle of transition and I didn't have a pastor that I could go to, that, that I could talk to, that I could ask questions, that I could say, hey, is this a, will you pray with me on this? Is this a good idea? Scary seasons. One of my previous pastors would always say, if you don't have a pastor, you're set up for a disaster. It's important to have spiritual leadership in your life. I have probably four or five pastors. I don't have a single pastor right now. I have four or five pastors that I 
submit myself to, that I ask to look into my life, that I ask questions and I, and I, it's, it's very important to me. I want to stand before Jesus and get a well done. I don't want to be a statistic. Who in your life do you submit to? Oftentimes we can be resisting the very person that is the gift God gave us. A spouse, a boss, a board member, a partner, a pastor, an elder, a coach, teacher. All authority comes from the Father. That's what Jesus said. That's what the Bible says. Who do you submit to? I've got more to teach you on this, but I'm going to save it for next week. We'll build this out a little bit more. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for your word. In our modern culture, the word submission is, a, is seen as a negative. It's seen as an ugly word. Father, would you redefine that for us? Your word submission means to align under authority in military formation. It is a position of power. Submission is a position of power. It's a revelation. I'm under authority. I place myself under authority because I want to have authority flowing through my life. I want your power flowing through my life. Father, would you release and reveal in the hearts of your children, those watching us right now online, listening to a podcast, driving in their car, or sitting in this room, would you reveal to them a heart of submission, a soft heart, not a hard heart, not a stubborn heart, a heart of submission that connects, that connects directly into the flow of power from your throne in heaven. In the name of Jesus, you called us to be believers that walk in authority, that have signs that follow. Release your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me real quick all over the room? And if you're watching in your living room, you can jump up and stand with us too. Would you just lift your hands up like this? Say this. Say, Jesus, I submit to you. I'm under your authority. You're my Lord and Master. You rose from the dead. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your gifts. Supernatural gifts of authority. Let your power, let your signs follow me. Authority in the spirit realm. Authority in the natural realm. What I bind on earth is bound in heaven. What I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Your authority according to your will. Show me, Father, who to submit my life under. Your pictures of authority. Show me so that I can be under your authority. Keep me, Father from becoming offended and removing myself from the gift of the leaders you've given me in my life. 
Protect me from myself. And give me your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand. Give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Travis is going to come up and dismiss us in just a moment. And we'll continue this next week. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.